A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Cam Edwards, your host, glad you joined us on the program today. Got a uh, interesting show for you. You know, one of the things that we've heard about, and this is nothing new, but we've heard this argument from gun control activists for at least, it seems like it's close to a decade now. Gun violence is a public health emergency that requires urgent action. Now, this latest piece is by a woman named Kira Watts from the uh, Nashville, Tennessee newspaper. This is an op-ed. And like most of the op-eds that I've seen that proclaim that, uh, quote-unquote, gun violence is a public health crisis or a public health emergency and we need to act, we need to do something, the vast majority of the column inches are spent not on actual ideas, but on an emotional plea to, quote, do something. And, of course, the something that these advocates always want is not to actually treat, quote-unquote, gun violence as a public health emergency, but to pass more gun control measures. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's exactly what uh, Kira Watts writes at the Nashville Tennessean. Now, I have gone through, in fact, you know what, uh, I, I didn't uh, 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 capture uh, all of the comments, all of the paragraphs that had nothing to do with what she's actually calling for. But let, let's let's count here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 paragraphs. 23. Actually, before we get to this. No parent should ever have to bury their child because of an act of gun violence. It's time for a new approach to solve this country's gun violence issue. What is the new approach that Kira Watts is calling for? She says it's always the same initial sorrow, sympathetic tweet or Instagram post and lack of action after unintentional or mass shootings. It's time for our government officials like Governor Bill Lee to address this raging issue, not support it with a constitutional carry law. Okay, so she says act of violence, always the same thing. There's tweets, through social media. Uh, she doesn't say there's always calls for gun control, right? Because that's part of it too. If Kira Watts says, we got to do something different, well, I would argue that that also means you got to quit offering up gun control ideas as the progressive answer to thoughts and prayers. But here's what Kira Watts says this, this, this change would look like. Got to do something different. Got to do something unique and extraordinary, something new, right? We need laws that strengthen the background check system in order to keep guns out of the hands of those who shouldn't have them. We need to initiate and prioritize programs for city gun violence and help heal those devastated communities that were impacted. It's time to heal this traumatized country by making schools safer for children. It's time we start to treat gun violence like it's a public health emergency, because it is. And that's it. That's it. Those are all of these specific proposals that Kira Watts demands. Universal background checks. Hate to break it. To Kira Watts, but we have plenty of states with universal background check laws in the books. And you know what? They do jack squat to reduce violent crime. State of New Mexico imposed universal background check laws. This is now three years ago. We're heading into the third year. In the first two years that that law was on the books, can't find any evidence that anybody's actually been charged, much less convicted, of transferring a firearm without putting the uh, buyer or the uh, receiver through a background check. These laws don't prevent violent crime. 
They can't prevent violent crime. How on earth is a universal background check law supposed to prevent an illicit transaction involving a firearm? Somebody who, let's say, stole a gun from a car, now wants to sell it on the black market. They're going to put the buyer through a background check? Really? Really? Come on now. What about uh, some of Watts' other ideas? I mean, not that she had that many of them. We need to initiate and prioritize programs for local city gun violence and help heal those devastated communities that were impacted. Look, I actually don't have a problem with that. As long as the programs that we're talking about, A, have a track record of success. In other words, they were not created by government fiat, but they were actually created by activists who, on their own and of their own volition, put these programs together and have seen success. I absolutely think that those programs should be supported. However, we also have to be aware that there have been cases where these types of programs that were ostensibly designed to, uh, you know, interrupt violence and things of that nature have sometimes ended up badly. Los Angeles, there was a uh, program, this is more than a decade ago now, it was called uh, No Guns. It was run by this guy, Hector Big Weasel Marroquin, who was a supposedly former gang member who had turned his life around. And along with his family, including Little Weasel Marroquin, were aiming to steer people away from guns. Which is great. I mean, they got millions of dollars in funding from the L.A. city government. All was going well until Big Weasel got arrested and was charged with actually supplying guns to gang members because he was caught. Selling guns to uh, undercover agents. Mm-hmm. No guns, actually putting guns in the hands of criminals. We've also seen violence interrupters actually get arrested and convicted of crimes of violence. So you've got to be careful, and there have to be some safeguards. You can't just throw money at these nonprofits and think that that's going to solve the solution. I, I do believe that these community groups that uh, and these programs that uh, don't revolve around putting new gun control laws on the books are actually of far more utility uh, than your average gun control bill in terms of reducing violent crime. But again, this isn't exactly new. I mean, we've had programs like Operation Ceasefire, which is probably, in my mind, the most successful uh, program, the, the sort of you know community violence prevention programs. Operation Ceasefire, I think, is without a doubt uh, one of the best ones out there. But it's been around since the 1990s. So it's, again... Not new. It's also not really a public health approach to combating gun violence because you're using police, you're using community groups to identify the most violent offenders in the most violent gangs, and then you're giving them an ultimatum. You're going to stop shooting, and we're going to help you turn your life around if you let us, but we're going to make you stop shooting if you, if you, if you force us to. We're going to put you in prison for as long as we possibly can because right now you're killing our community. Now, it doesn't have to be that way. We can help you get your DED. We can help you get job training. We can help you get counseling. We can help you get what you need to be a success in life. But if you don't take advantage of those opportunities, we have to remove you from society because we're tired of the damage that you're doing. When that program is successfully implemented, homicide rates drop dramatically. In Boston, where this was first implemented, the juvenile uh, homicide rate fell by more than 50% when Operation Ceasefire was put in place. But again, that was back in the 90s. Had nothing to do with public health, had everything to do with a public safety approach to combating violent crime. Then she uh, obliquely says, eh, it's time to heal this traumatized country by making schools safer for children. Has no clue how to do it, apparently. 
says nothing at all about how to go about it. It's just time, she says, that we start to treat gun violence like it's a public health emergency because it is. It's not. It's a public safety crisis, particularly when you're dealing with record high homicide rates in cities like Philadelphia. I will will argue that is a public safety crisis, but it's not a public health emergency. And treating violent crime as if it is a public health problem, I don't think it's the best idea. I would also note that uh, right now we actually do have a public health emergency in this country, a, a real one involving a, you know, novel coronavirus that is uh, about 700,000 Americans a day testing positive. We've got uh, hospitalizations that are at an all-time high because of the sheer transmissibility of the Omicron vir- variant. We have a public health emergency in the United States right now, and I would argue we're not dealing with it all that well. I don't think the Biden administration is dealing with this public health emergency all that well. You can't find tests, Right. The supply chain issues are getting worse by the day. Hello? Hashtag bear shells Biden. So, <laughs> first of all, even if we did treat, quote unquote, gun violence as a public health emergency, wh- why would Kira Watts think that that would change anything for the better when we can't seem to deal with the actual public health emergency that we have right now successfully? But again, it's a distraction to call violent crime a public health emergency. It's not. We're dealing with violent crime. We're dealing with violent criminals. Now, if you want to talk about, let's say, suicides, that's a mental health issue. That's more of a public health issue, because again, we're dealing with a mental health issue, but the issue is suicide. The issue is not suicide by gun. The issue is suicide. Does it matter if somebody you love takes their own life with a firearm as opposed to hanging themselves or taking too many pills? No! The person you love is still gone. And we need to work on saving those individuals in crisis, which you don't do by simply declaring war on legal gun ownership. You know, again, I I don't know. Honestly, I'm, I'm stunned that this even ran in the Tennessean because it is so... And apologies to Kira Watts for saying this, but it's the truth. This is such a vapid... Uh, puff piece that offers no real solutions, that that lays out an emotional argument. And I will agree, the consequences of violent crime are horrific and heartbreaking. It's not that gun owners don't care about violent crime. Many of us are gun owners because we care about violent crime, because someone we know maybe even ourselves, have been the victim of violent crime, and we don't want that to happen to us again. That's the other uh, argument, by the way, that the uh, gun control advocates make. Oh, you don't like what we say? You're not going to go along with what we say? Well, you must not care. No, that's not it at all. I care very much. Every gun owner I know cares about public safety, certainly cares about their own personal safety. We just disagree that the way to address violent crime is by cracking down on legal gun owners. Again, that's like saying the uh, way to cure a disease is to only treat the healthy. I I don't get it. I don't think it works. Frankly, I don't think Americans are all that interested in this argument anyway. So, uh, you know, not that I'm in the business of doing gun control advocates any favors, but I I don't think this is a winning argument for them. I guess to that uh, sense... Feel free to keep making this argument as loudly and as often 
as you can. Meanwhile, the rest of us will be out there protecting our right to keep and bear arms and working on real solutions to make our community safer without infringing on the rights of the residents who live there. All right, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our uh, uh, recidivist report. Yes, that's the one we're talking about here. Uh, Is this a public health emergency here? The man who left a... uh, Two kids inside a carjacked SUV, along with his parole slip at the crime scene. Yeah, this comes from uh, CWB Chicago. Uh, 28-year-old Omar Soto ordered held without bail by uh, Judge Susana Ortiz on Monday during a, a bond hearing. It was over the weekend, about 11 p.m. Saturday night. Soto allegedly uh, ran into another car while driving one of his own. He then ran from the car that he was driving, climbed into the driver's seat, of an SUV that was parked in a uh, nearby Walgreens parking lot. The owner, don't do this, by the way, the owner had left it running. Her daughter, 14-year-old daughter, and one-year-old son were inside the vehicle. And I'm sure mom thought, look, I'm just running in. It's cold. I don't want them to get cold. I'll just leave it running. Which may have been okay, except the car was unlocked, too. So Soto was able to gain access to the car. The 14-year-old was sitting in the front passenger seat. She told Soto, hey, you're in the wrong car. He ignores her. He drives away. Kids inside. The 14-year-old starts pleading with him, let us out. Let me let my brother out. Let me let me and my little brother out of the car. She gets on the phone. She's FaceTiming with her mom. Mom, I don't know what's going on. Soto then tries to grab the phone from her. He stops the car, tells the girl to get out. She doesn't. He grabs her by the hair, drags her across the uh, console, throws her outside the car, and then he drives off with the one-year-old child inside. Uh, police located the car a short time later. They pulled Soto over, took him into custody. They find the one-year-old safe in the back seat. Uh, Soto, by the way, currently on probation for burglary. He got a three-year sentence for DUI in 2018. He received probation for another aggravated DUI in 2016. And uh, police found Soto's parole slip at the crash site, according to uh, CWB Chicago. Judge Ortiz was asked by uh, Soto's defense attorney, hey, can you put him on electronic monitoring? He doesn't really need to stay behind bars, does he? She said no. Shockingly enough, I, I'm not. I'm not. I didn't realize judges in Cook County were allowed to say no to requests like that. But she said, "Quote: We see every day that electronic monitoring can be tampered with or just simply cut off and walked away from." So, no, I don't think that that will suffice. Shockingly, and Omar Soto, it looks like, will be uh, behind bars at least for now uh, until his trial begins. All right, on to today's armed citizen story from uh, Jackson, Mississippi. Now, this headline, I got to say, is is bogus. Uh, Jackson police investigating gunfight over video game system. No, this was an armed robbery. And the would-be victims in this case were able to fight back. That's what really happened. This happened Sunday afternoon. Jackson police dispatched on reports of a shooting to a uh, apartment complex. When they got there, they found a 69-year-old man. He had been shot in the hip and in the leg. Transported to a local hospital, he is at last report in critical condition and could use your thoughts and prayers. According to police, uh, the 69-year-old man and his 45-year-old son um, met the suspect there in the apartment complex to sell him a video game system. Yeah. Instead, the suspect pulled a gun, attempted to take the system by force. The 69-year-old victim, who uh, was also legally carrying a firearm, drew his gun. There was an exchange of gunshots between the victim and the suspect. The suspect then fled the area. Uh, the victim wounded, but he is going to survive. And and thankfully, uh, you know, hopefully, I should say, he is in critical condition, but hopefully will recover from his injuries. His son, uninjured, and who knows what would have happened 
uh, had one of those two not been able to protect themselves with a firearm. Now, I will note, if you are engaging in sort of, you know, any type of online commerce, you don't know who you're buying from or who you're selling it to, right? You just don't know. And I'll be honest with you, I don't have a lot of faith in uh, random strangers that I'm meeting on the internet. So, I mean, outside of the woman I met 25 years ago who I eventually married. But even then, first time around, a little suspicious. One of the things, one of the easiest things you can do if you're unsure of the person that you're dealing with is to meet, not just in a public place, like a apartment complex in broad daylight on a sunny Sunday afternoon, but actually say, hey, let's meet in the parking lot of the local police department. Let's meet there at the sheriff's substation. Uh, most law enforcement agencies are perfectly fine with online transactions taking place in a parking lot, in their parking lot, because they want you to be safe. Uh, and again, doing this during daylight hours, as, as this father and son did uh, in a public place, as they kind of did, and it certainly wasn't a private place, it was an apartment lot, apartment complex parking lot, that can cut down on the risk that you take. But, uh, you know, even in a police department parking lot, you might find somebody dumb enough to try to rob you at gunpoint. So, again, it's, in my opinion, always a good idea to be able to protect yourself when you are put or when you put yourself in those circumstances. Finally today, our good deed of the day from Arapahoe County, Colorado, where a woman and a teen jumped into a pond at an apartment complex and rescued three children who had fallen through the ice. Yeah, this was scary stuff. Uh, and uh, apparently it just sort of happened in an instant. This was also Sunday afternoon. Uh, the woman saw these kids playing on the ice, and then they saw them fall through the ice. One of the victims, a six-year-old girl, wasn't breathing uh, when she was pulled out. But thankfully, first responders were able to perform CPR on her, and she began breathing on her own. Uh, there were actually four kids altogether who were playing on this uh, icy pond. Three of them ended up falling through the ice. Uh, Arapahoe County deputies, South Metro Fire Rescue responded. They found all three children out of the water by the time they got there. They've been rescued by uh, two bystanders. 23-year-old Dusty Talavera was the first to jump into the scene. She pulled two children out of the water, a four-year-old girl and an 11-year-old boy. But that six-year-old she was struggling with. And that's when a 16-year-old, who's a relative of one of the kids, jumped into the pond as well and helped pull the girl out. Talavera was uh, at a press conference on Monday. She said, I was looking out my window. I saw a couple of kids walking on the ice pond. A few seconds later, I saw them fall in. My instinct was to go outside and help them. And good for her for doing that. I mean, listen, she could have easily just picked up the phone and called 911 and said, hey, I just saw this happen. This is horrible. Please send somebody as fast as you can. But Dusty Talavera and that 16-year-old putting them own, their, their own selves at risk. Uh, to save the lives of others. So in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, we thank you very much for your very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you, as always, for being a part of the program. We will be back tomorrow with the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. Don't forget to check out BearingArms.com throughout the day for even more news that you should know about when it comes to your right to keep and bear arms. If you like what you see, you can always become a subscriber. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you'll get a significant savings on your VIP membership. Not only will you be showing your support for the independent journalism we do at Bearing Arms, but you will get access to exclusive commentary, news stories, data points that you just won't find anywhere else. It's our way of saying thank you 
for showing your support, and it really does mean a lot to us. We'll see you tomorrow, but until then, be well, be safe, and be free. 